Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. It's Friday. And welcome back to Minneapolis. Are you in Minneapolis? I am. I'm in the Minneapolis airport. Yeah. Just landed. Just landed. Like literally just landed. So, <laughs> literally just took off my mask so I could uh, do this. And so you were in, a, in Vegas. What was happening? Las Vegas, yeah. Uh, you know what was going on in Vegas? HR Tech was in Vegas. It was great. It was a good event. Um, I see Kristen was Kristen Penny's on. She was with me in Vegas. I'm not sure if Jess Daly's on, but uh, great event. Uh, smaller crowd, um, but overall just really, really good event. So was excited to be there. Um, gave a speech last night. Um, basically, like the speech turned right into them tearing down the room, basically on top of me. Um, because I, well, people were starting to get paid overtime and there was a union. So, um, yeah, closed the place up basically. So, uh, yeah, Shisha was great. Um, hey, Jess, so how are you? I'm I'll, tell, I'll, tell, I'll tell everyone a little about HR Tech in a few minutes, but let's not, let's not skip over the pleasantries and stuff. Yes, yes, the pleasantries. I am good. I'm good. Oh, well, James is here. James saw the presentation mm -hmm. at HR Tech. Awesome. I wonder if James made it home um, and actually got a chance. Yeah, I did bring the house down, David, in a weird way. Very, very funny. Yeah, um, yeah same with you, Claire. But um, yeah, James, I'm not sure. Great to have you here for the first time, James. James, where do you live? Love to uh, love to hear, and uh, thank you for being there yesterday. Um, so how's uh, how's everything, Jess? How's your week? It's good. I'm in quarantine with my 10 year old. Uh, she's so close. She's either close to a vaccine because the vaccine will become available or she's close to her 11th birthday. Either way, COVID got her. And so we've been hanging all week. Um, you know, I, I have three kids, three girls, and I never get any one of them alone for this long. So I feel a little bit spoiled in that regard. We've really enjoyed our time together. We found lots of great things to do, even in isolation. We've painted almost everything there is to paint. <laughs> we drove through a state park and saw fall colors yesterday. I dyed her hair green. Uh, we're having a blast. I wish the virus had not uh, forced this, but yeah, uh, sometimes it's silver linings, right? Yeah, yeah, she's she's healthy. She just tires out fast. So we also watch lots of movies and go to bed early. So in a weird way, it's been a great restful week for me too. <laughs> you know, I can't say that my week was restful, uh, but for, I'm glad for her and you it was restful. Yes. Um, yeah. So how's everyone else? We you know we always start. And James, who was in my presentation yesterday, I did this yesterday with a different with a tool actually with a. Um, online tool of green yellow and red um hi steve welcome but um love to hear how everyone's doing so let's start with our normal green yellow and red the most important question how are you um would love to hear what everyone is uh what everyone's thinking yeah thank you Jennifer. how everyone's feeling excuse me oh jennifer first time here also yeah and congratulations to the community we're well over 1500 at 1511 so uh great Kristen's greenish. Kristen, with how much you ate in Vegas, you should be ultra green. I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't supposed to say that, probably. Um, green, 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 green. Wow, look at these greens. Uh, for those of you, uh, there might just be one. 
James, uh, yeah, James, who was in my presentation yesterday. James, this is why this is what the power of this community because we did this same question yesterday at HR Tech, and oh, yellow, mm. Jody, we're gonna get you to green, promise. I have to be goofy, but we're gonna get you to green. But uh, um, we were at forty percent, forty percent green. 55% yellow and 5% red in the audience yesterday at HR Tech. So interesting, huh? Wow, 40% green, did you say? Yeah, only 40%. Hmm. I would have a crowd like that, you know, people, not too many. We hosted a live event in Minneapolis a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of the people in our small audience, intimate, small crowd, said it was the first event that, you know, sort of work type of event they've done together in the last 18 months. I would have thought a little bit more green energy in the room, just being together again at a conference that a lot of people anticipate from year to year. Um, but maybe there was, there was anxiety with that, too. I hope maybe by the end of the, my speech that some of them were greener. Yeah. Um, it was the end of the day. You're watching PowerPoints all day, all of that stuff. So that might yeah. make you yellow also yeah, on yeah. given days. Um, I love vibrant green. I do too. Oh, and Jan Janice. Yeah. Every time I see Janice, Joy, I'm just going to say it like that just so that I can every, it just make it a, a habit. And Angela is Janice's team, so I would be vibrant too if I worked uh, in a team like Fly Girl. <laughs> yes, I don't you just love the name Fly Girl? Kara, uh, hi, glad to uh, see you're back from PTO. That's great. Don't you love TO? I just think that so, when I see that acronym, it always makes me laugh. I'm not even sure why, uh, but it just makes me laugh. So um, glad that you're back, Kara. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm uh, really excited to to just talk quickly about HR Tech and James. I'm not sure if you're there or not, but uh, if, James, you can let us know if you want to come on live. Um, I'm more than welcome to bring you on live, or anyone else that was in Las Vegas. I'm more than welcome to bring you on live. Otherwise, I'll just tell you what I told a bunch of people who asked me my thoughts on HR Tech, the HR Tech conference in Vegas, and I'll just describe it exactly the way I did to them, and you guys can do with it what you will um mm -hmm. so you know someone asked me what was what actually multiple people asked me this which was kind of interesting what was one word that i think people left hr tech feeling and uh my answer was was really obvious and really simple it was confused Oof. confusion confusion and confused and i don't think and i was very quick i did three podcasts or four podcasts while i was there that i was interviewed on and I was very quick to say that it was it's not bad confusion. Confusion doesn't have to be bad, I don't think. You know, you as a uh, vocabulary whiz may help me with that. But um, it, it, confusion doesn't have to be bad. Confusion just means in my eyes that there's a lot of ambiguity mm -hmm. um, in what people are doing. I, I think it's really important as we talk about it in this community every day, and James just said kind of slow. Um, and I'll talk about that also in a second. But in the world we live in today, in the last two years, we've had like a, a couple of bombs dropped on us. And everyone is kind of like, you know, when those bombs dropped, I'm sorry to use the bomb analogy, but 
people kind of did like they were like ants. They all just kind of scurried to different in different directions, and we're all just kind of kind of coming back together. Um, I met with a company yesterday called Ant Hill, but you know we're all kind of coming back together. The ants are coming back together and starting to say, "Okay, whoa, what was that? That was like a big a foot that stomped on us," you know. And um, Kristen, I think that's another good say. Hopeful too is important, um, but hopeful without ne with ne without the necessary direction yet. I think is really important to say. There's a lot of people who are talking about, "Hey, we just need to recruit better." There's a lot of people are saying we need to retain better. There's a lot of people saying we need to engage better. There's a lot of people saying we need to comp differently. There's a lot of people saying we need a core system. You know what I mean? And I was like, holy cow. Like in the past, like there's usually one big problem. And by the way, I didn't even talk about most of diversity and inclusion. Like there's tons. And in this particular case, everyone, uh, hourly workforce, how do I communicate with the hourly workforce? Like how many times I had that conversation this week? Um, how do we recruit the hourly workforce? How do we keep the hourly workforce or the jobless or excuse me, the deskless workforce? Um, we are all, Jeanette, I love what you just said, and I'll get to that in a second. But and I think the, the one word, Jeanette, and what you said is what I was just about to say. It's O-U-R, R. Oh, you are. It's time that we can't just go to a conference and say, what's everyone doing? And copy them. I think it's really, really important that we, that was my big takeaway. And I, I wrote a blog about this that we'll post on Monday, but around confusion and not how confusion is not bad. But we all, we, every organization has to focus on the R, oh, you are, the now and the R of work. And the hour of work is really what's going to move the needle in your organization, <sighs> Mark. And in the the um, the the needle is different in every organization. So you know, maybe in some cases it's hiring. Maybe in other cases it's um, recruiting and uh, compensation. Maybe in other cases, I mean, the number of people said we just need to train people better. I was like. But what if you don't have the people? They're like, yeah, yeah, we have to do that too. Right? So, I mean, I think that the center of everything is people and humans and talent. The minute that it starts breaking down into silos, that's when everyone sort of, oh, yeah, I don't know if it's recruiting's our problem. Maybe it sounds like that might be our problem, but maybe it's more retention. So, I, and there's so many new solutions that are point solutions to help with this. Like I've said many times, we have better technology than we've ever had before, but often we don't know what our problem is or we don't have the vision to actually solve our problem. It's really, really interesting for the space. Hey, Benny, welcome. I'm uh, really, really interesting to see the space that we're in right now. I, I just want to read Mark's uh, comments just because mm -hmm. uh, I love Mark's comments. Did anyone talk about what we're doing with the talented but not vaccinated folks that will be hitting the street? Will be another wave of solopreneurs or do you think something else will happen? I didn't hear one person talk about that, Mark. Not one. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't hear one person talk about vaccines um, the whole time I was there. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that's good or bad. Um, that wasn't the topic of discussion. I, it, people were kind of beyond that and saying, based on where, beyond that, sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but, but beyond that 
particular part of the situation and saying, based on where we're at, what do we do as companies? The last thing I'll just say really quickly, and then we'll open it up, is um, this to, this to, I think Barb's saying it's shocking that no one was talking about vaccinations. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. I, 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 I think there's a point. I think there's a point in our, there's a point in this whole pandemic where the 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 discussion has to shift from how do I convince people to get vaccinated to what do I do now with the situation that we have. You know, I, I don't think that we can keep, I mean, I don't think we can keep pushing people. We, we can keep trying to get people to get vaccinated. We keep trying that. And I know Justice touches you really closely right now with where you're at. And I think with kids getting vaccinated, that will make a difference as well. But I think people, I mean, there are businesses shutting down right now. There are, and it's not because of the unvaccinated. You know, right. there are companies that, that can't find talented workers and it's not because of the unvaccinated so i think we can only and i'm not downplaying it please so no one take it that way but i think we can't make the whole conversation about that we have to make the conversation about here's our supply here's our supply you know we have demand what do we do and if our supply is limited mark because of unvaccinated people and those people have to do something else maybe like that might be the way that it goes um but it, it wasn't a topic of conversation. Um, the other thing I'll just, that I, I'm sorry, what was the other thing I was gonna comment on? Oh, it was slow. Uh, I think, I think that, and I think that James, and I know Kristen, because Kristen and I debriefed on this yesterday in Vegas. Um, it was slow because there were fewer people there, but the people that were there were laser focused on trying to find answers more than ever. So I'd say that in the past, for those people that have been to HR Tech, HR Tech is kind of a 50% let's just get together with old friends and learn from each other, and 50% let's try to see what else what's new. And there were, I mean, people there were laser focused on trying to go on a journey and find answers to specific problems. Uh, Kristen just said it nicely, quality over quantity. Um, the number of quality conversations um, that were had is more than normal, but the number of people was, you know, 60, 70% less than normal. So uh, for me, the, the event overall was just as rich uh, as anything that I've been to from an HR tech standpoint up until this point. You know, the difference is that when you don't have a number of people, sometimes you don't have the same energy. Um, as someone who does a lot of like keynote speaking, mm -hmm. um, but you know when you're speaking to 400 versus 4,000, the energy level of 400 versus 4,000 is different. But I have to say, in my session of 400 at four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon in Las Vegas, which all that separated debauchery, all that separated <laughs> people from debauchery was me. Um, there was good. There was good energy. So overall, I thought it was a great event. Um, uh, you know, I'll we can talk about some trends in a few minutes. Um, I don't want to. I want to make sure that I, we talk about leadership today, which is our topic, um, which we're going to get to in a second with our guest. But um, if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to. Um, uh, Brooke, <laughs> Brooke. Thank you. That's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Stop disrespecting yeah. your own.
keep recruiting them. Yeah. So, you know, you guys, of course, Mark, yeah, it's a, I, yes, it was a big drop off for vendors, but every, Mark, every vendor I talked to said that their conversations were better this year than in the past. There was no, there were no vendors complaining about the quality of the conversations. The only thing they might have been complaining is they couldn't hand out all their socks or all their stress balls or all their hats because the number of people there were smaller. So, um, real quickly, that's just my thought on that. Brooke, yeah. your comment about retention over acquisition. Um, in um, in my speech yesterday, I said something, and of course, you guys that are in the community know that sometimes I can get overly passionate um, and say things that I probably they get taken out of context at times. Um, but no, you know, a, no. a, a quote. Yeah, I mean, a quote that was on HR executives front. Um, a quote that was on HR executives front page this morning from my speech last night was the great resignations, the stupidest phrase I've ever heard, which I did say. Um, but yeah, it, I said it for a reason. Um, it's well, of course, we didn't really talk about the reason wasn't actually in the article. It didn't really capture all of it. But what I said is I said, that you know, the 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 great resignation is just what is an action that we're seeing right now. What's really important to look at is, is beyond the fact that we're having a, re a resignation. Oh, someone just put the link there. Thank you. Um, it's beyond the resignation. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a reawakening. It's a realization about what work should be, about what work can be, about what we need to do as HR. That's where we're at. It's the, the great retention thing, blah, blah, or great resignation thing, blah, 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 is basically just a result of the fact that these bonds that I talked about earlier, people woke up and we got to say, what the heck have I been doing? Why have I been dealing with this crappy work environment? Why have I been, you know, having a manager or a leader that doesn't ask me how I am every day? Why am I doing unhuman things at work when I'm human outside of work? That's what we're dealing with, you guys. It's, we're dealing with a realization and an awakening. That's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing, I mean, the resignation is just one part of it, okay? I mean, if you ask people how happy they were at work today and all of a sudden 70% said they're not, what would that be called? The great unhappiness? Maybe. It's the same thing though. It's because we've all had this awakening and we were all realizing that we're one step closer to mortality and that we can't continue having a line between work humans and outside of work humans. We're all one human body. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <from that. laughs> I, I, it took a pandemic for us to, uh, to revalue, revalue our own uh, life and how we spend our time. Um, period. That's why earlier in the comment, earlier in the thread, yes, your workforce, start with your people, start with your workforce. That should have always been the answer. But uh, whatever jolting of reality it took for us to come back to that realization, good, we're here. Now we need to act on it. Can I just ask really quickly, just for fun. So someone that might have been yellow coming into this, this is one of my attempts to make you green. What is your weirdest Las Vegas story? 
Like if anyone ever wants to, sh if anyone wants to share like a weird Las Vegas story, put it in the text. I shared one with Kristen yesterday that is my weirdest Las Vegas story, which I will never ever forget. And I'll just share it really quickly and I'll share one from this morning also. Um, so when I probably 10, no, it would have been 12 years ago, 12 years ago, my wife and I, um, or with in Las Vegas because my grandparents lived there with our two kids. And um, my wife and my youngest son, Alex, were already in the car. And I was walking down, I know James, but this one's not staying in Vegas. Um, I was going down the escalator with my five-year-old and I was holding my five-year-old's hand and right behind me was a woman of the night. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> on the escalator and so i was holding ben's hand um who i'm going to his homecoming football game tonight so it's a little weird to talk about but i was holding his hand and this woman asked me she's like, hey how are you doing and i was like fine she's like are you looking for company and like my five-year-old said dad is that someone from work like just like that just that exact looked up at me and said dad is that someone from work like i will never ever ever forget that story and how weird it was that i was propositioned by a by someone um at 4 30 in the morning on an escalator in las vegas while holding my five-year-old's uh hand um and this morning this morning i actually was walking out and I, I even predicted this to someone yesterday. That was what you see at 4.30 in the morning in Vegas is so funny to me. Yeah. But, you know, I was walking out of the elevator and a, um, a, a guy truly just threw up on my feet, basically. <laughs> like this morning. Like I was walking out of, yes, this morning. Yes, I was walking out of the elevator and like literally he was just coming in from the night. And I was like, oh, I mean, luckily the guy with the mop was there like right there to clean the, clean it up but i was like oh my god you i'm going to the airport you're just coming in um so yeah 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 or 6 a.m in vegas yes like some people are, are you talking about are you speaking for yourself marissa uh, we won't even go there in case marissa yeah. doesn't want to uh just share but anyway lots of funny vegas stories that everyone no one wants to share them sorry we got off track there but i hope that story about my five-year-old made someone smile at least but anyway today we're talking about leadership <laughs> and one of the things just doesn't even know what to say um one of the things that's so fascinating to me about everything that we're doing um in the world today is that we had a conversation with one organization yesterday specifically who's a big retailer uh hourly workforce and i said you know what's really interesting and i I thought about the conversation we're having today. Yes, when, I, when we uh, when I had this conversation yesterday, they said we can do employee value propositions, we can do candidate value propositions, and we can do general over company culture type work. But do you know what happens in our stores? It's dependent on the manager and leader to carry that through. Yeah, you know, and they're like, "Don't tell me about new tools on my phone." Like that can reinforce it. Don't tell me about new portals that an hourly worker can log into. That can reinforce it. Oh my God, I'm already getting like lit up that I said women of the night. I, it, that's like a very old, sorry. That's like a very old thing 
Um, but so, sorry, an old person thing to say. Sorry, but so, but this whole concept of a leader, like leaders create culture, leaders carry forward those mission statements, leaders create and and reinforce that. And I think way too often we think we can put something out at the top and just hope that it trickles down, hope that it trickles down. And that it doesn't work. It takes leaders. And um, that's why I'm so, so excited that we have Don on today. Um, so um, Jess, while I invite Don on, I'll let you uh, give a little of Don's history. Uh, I, there's so many things. I don't even know where to start. So yes. Probably Sorry, that was a long, that was a long, oh my gosh. And Mandy's on. And Mandy's, Mandy's on. one of my, uh, Mandy's on too. There's so many cool people on here today. This is so much better than Vegas. This is so much better than Vegas. Um, sorry, but sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Well, I'm super excited that we have Don McPherson on with us today. Some of you may know and love Don like we do. He happens to be a Minneapolis guy. Uh, but he spent I, I can't wait to hear what Don's reaction is to like what's going on in our space right now. We're not gonna talk to him about that or we can, uh, but Don came from the HR technology industry. He was a co-founder of a company called Modern Survey, which became part of Aon. And he's been doing lots of cool things uh, ever since. And he's gonna tell us about one of them, which is an outcome of, uh, here comes Don. Hey, how are you? Hi. <laughs> hey, Don. Good to see you. How do you possibly enter this conversation at this point? But you'll pull it off. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Don. He's going to enter it with his best Don? Vegas. He's going to tell him enter it with his best Vegas story. I'm trying to be serious. Okay, so Don has done all of these things. Any good Vegas stories? Let's start with that. <laughs> I'm in bed by 8, 8 p.m. in Vegas and up at four. <laughs> so I would have seen Jason and his son <laughs> riding the escalator. Yeah. Yeah. 4 a.m. is a fascinating time to be awake in Vegas, isn't it? Absolutely. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Don, it's great to have you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope you were hearing a little of what I was talking about from a leadership and leader standpoint. Um, so, you know, I think that leaders are more important today than ever. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. But, you know, in, when we think about how do we think about high-touch human and high-touch digital, which is something we talk about a lot, Digital can do some things to reinforce messages for leaders, but then leaders themselves have such a heavy weight. Um, I think sometimes we forget about that. So I'd love to uh, I'd love to hear a little about what you're working on from a leadership standpoint, just your thoughts on what I just said. Well, I'll start with the thoughts on what you said, and, and we cannot confuse tools with leadership. And in the right hands, very powerful tools can be utilized effectively within organizations. But a lot of what uh, people are trying to sell as magic bullets for solving company culture or leadership effectiveness, that's not going to work if it's not in the right hands, if, if people are not trained on how to use these tools. So let's be very clear about that. And, uh, and you know what, I am focused on leadership in a much different way than I have been in the past. So I've been in the HR software space for about 20, 25 years, 
and had a company that measured engagement and leadership obviously is really important to creating engagement and creating effective cultures. But um, what I wanna talk about today is the Think to Perform Research Institute where I'm the executive director and our Future Leaders Academy, which we are in the process of creating right now in Minneapolis here. Um, I took over as executive director of this nonprofit last year. Hey, Don. Yes. Hey, Don, before you go into that, can I ask you a question about, once again, sorry, I, I, when we have guests on here, I guess they just have to get used to my idiotic interrupting. But uh, my my brain span doesn't last long enough for, to remember to stop you to ask you something about yeah. something you just said. So I need to ask you now before you get into what you were about to say. So training, you use the word training like training to be a leader or training to use tools. Like, is that, is that like training to me seems like I shouldn't need to train people to be a leader or train people to use tools, but you said it and, and it made sense. Um, like, are we like, and it's not because the tools aren't good from a usability standpoint. When you say training, you're kind of thinking of capital T training, not like here's the manual on how to use a tool, right? I mean, can you just expand on that word training a little bit? Yeah, I mean, well, what I meant about the tools is how they can be most effectively utilized. Um, the, the tool is not going to replace the human. Um, the tool has to work in conjunction with the human. And so, you know, um, I often think that buyers are making decisions like, oh, this, this tool is going to solve all of, our, all of our problems, and that is not the case. Um, and so that's what I meant by training is like, you know, how can we get people to, to use them, use them most effectively? And then when it comes down to leadership training, I, I completely believe that um, some people are born leaders and the rest of us learn how to do it. And, and, you know, there's, there's a study that I saw recently, a um, hundred high potential and young leaders. So these are leaders under 35 years old. They were asked, um, what was the most effective um, way in which you became a leader? And the choices were um, mentoring, coaching, and leadership training. 91% said mentoring. Wow. 91 out of 100 said mentoring, and then the other nine said uh, coaching or training. So it's really so, that, that, that mentoring type, you know, that where the value, or the, where most of the value comes into play. It, yes. And if I think to my own career, I can tell you exactly what mentors said to me that resonated and changed my life. And so um, How much when, I, when I talk about training, you know, mentoring is a big part of that. Um, so it's a, it's a broader category in the way that I was referring to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you can see the chat done, but there's someone like Steve Jewell here who's saying, have known oh, yeah. since the modern survey days. Um, yeah, just love said, Steve. What's your view on servant leadership? So we can talk about that um, in a few minutes. But the other thing I was fascinated with, Don, and I'd love your take on this, in, then it will be a good lead into what you're about to talk about with the Institute, is there are a lot of people I just, in the plane I just got off of from Vegas, there's a lot of people I met in Vegas. I think the only reason they went to Vegas with someone on their team was actually to meet them for the first time. Mm. Oh, wow. yeah. like, I actually think the last two years, 
like people have hired people to be on their teams and leaders are being asked to lead people that they don't they've never met and it's just it was really interesting the number of people that said to me yeah i just came here to meet this person for the first time or yeah we've never met we're just trying to figure out like how we work together and i'm just wondering and i'm sorry if i'm taking you off topic but i'm just wondering if that's changing leadership um this new hybrid world that we're moving into yeah, well, I think it is. And I think it's becoming more challenging to be an effective leader in a virtual world. In fact, I had my mentor on my podcast, 12 Geniuses, recently, and we talked about emotional intelligence in a virtual workforce. And the guy's name is Doug Lennick, and he was talking about you know, actually, I'm trying to do it now. Instead of looking at you over here, look at the camera. That's mm -hmm. the person, that's their eyes. Like, this is one very simple thing to do. It's very difficult for me yep. to do. But instead of looking at your face, which serves me, look at the camera. And, yeah. you know, so that's just like one really, really simple thing yeah. to do. Is I mean, like, it's a, you see me? Like, that's actually why we actually need someone to just come and hold the screen up while we're looking at the camera. Mm -hmm. Or they need to camera down while we're reading the chat so we don't look like we're not paying attention not looking at someone directly yeah it's fascinating it's just it's a simple thing but the your point is you know when we're having these conversations it's way easier to focus on work and not create the relationship and the relationship is what motivates what engages what builds trust the things that really separate exceptional leaders from just average leaders or managers um, so yeah it's really really difficult and i think people are craving that personal connection and how do you have engagement how do you retain people without that personal connection it's it's difficult so yes the last two years i'm not surprised that people want to do what exactly what you were saying jason is you know get together for the first time meet these people understand who they are in in a, a deeper way yeah so t so sorry that i interrupted you i'd love to hear about what you're doing now um we need to actually the the podcast i want to make sure i mean i've put it on here 12 geniuses we'll need to put a link down on the call to action button we can get our producer to do that um 12 G so people can link to the podcast but you know and steve mentioned modern survey so like you know if you can just take us from modern survey to 12 geniuses to yeah. what you're doing now that would be great um so that people can learn well you might remember jason i know i know jess knows this the day we sold modern survey is the day i became a father for the first time so what a crazy day that was five and a half years ago and i I worked for Aon, the company that bought us, for a little over two years, and then I became a father again. And it was on that day, that's the best day of my life, uh, without a doubt. And people say, well, why not, you know, the day your first daughter was born? And, it, and that was. But when my second daughter came, that, that's when my family was complete and, you know, just an unbelievable richness uh, in my life was created, uh, or further richness, however you want to look at it. And it was around that time that I realized everything that I was doing, 12 Geniuses, my work with the Inner City Ducks, uh, which is a nonprofit that I started a couple of years ago, almost three years ago now, um, my work on the board of Harmony Foundation, which is a drug and alcohol addiction facility, 
and now Think to Perform Research Institute, all of that has to do with helping people reach their full human potential. And so that's what I've dedicated my life to doing. And leadership is a big part of that. And that's why I became executive director of this research institute. And we are trying to change, create future leaders and change uh, a lot of the communities here in Minneapolis that have been underrepresented for so long. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Jason, you probably do, and Jess probably does as well. But when the Wells Fargo CEO came out last year and said, you know, it's hired, it's difficult to hire diverse candidates because there's a, there's such a small population, a small candidate pool. And he got a lot of criticism for that, but, you know, maybe he's right. And if he's right, we are intending to change that. And so that's what we're doing with this Future Leaders Academy. And did, when, when that statement was made, was it made locally? I don't recall the specific statement. Was he saying because we don't have a diverse local candidate pool? Because that's the other thing that's interesting to me that's happening right now is we've shattered geographic boundary. Yeah, yeah. So boundary, bound, I'm not gonna be able to say it, boundaryless recruiting, you know, the ability to find and engage with talent anywhere um, also presents new challenges because now you can't use that as an excuse anymore or it shouldn't be an excuse anymore. But, but back to the point of how do you build and develop people with the challenges of hybrid, digital culture, you know, creating true connection, you have new challenges. While we've removed one, there are others presented, which again, um, you know, goes to the point of truly finding, you know, small tips, using appropriate tools, training, teaching leaders how to engage and mentor others, and really bringing up. I think we're going to have a huge gap in in management and leadership. Uh, ability to, to sort of make impact on today's workforce. I think we're facing a massive gap. And so maybe it should be everybody's goal to sort of bring up the next generation and start grooming that next generation of leaders. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm not exactly sure the context that the uh, Wells Fargo CEO was talking about, if he was talking local or he was talking national. He was certainly making the, the comments and obviously the two of you know what happened in Minneapolis last year with the killing of George Floyd. So it was in the aftermath of that. And really that's why we started this program, this Future Leaders Academy. And we are, we are trying to create leaders from those who typically would never have a chance to launch. So there's a population of diamonds in the rough who never get an opportunity to become leaders and reach their full potential. And so what we are doing, we're, we're doing a pilot on October 16th, and then we're launching our full academy early next year. But we're identifying 20 people, um, students of color or from economically disadvantaged areas in the Twin Cities or around Minnesota. And we're going to run through uh, this leadership academy. So we're going to teach them the curriculum. These are going to be from some of the great minds in leadership. Fred Keel, who wrote the book on moral leadership, Richard Leiter, who has talked and written many books and articles on purpose. Um, these are the types of 
facilitators that we're going to have teaching these young people about leadership. We're going to help them understand what leadership is, what moral leadership is, what emotional intelligence is, these important things that are necessary if you're going to be an effective leader. But that's not all. Now, not only are we selecting 20 of these future leaders, but we're going to match them from a pool of 30 experienced leaders that we hand select from companies like Cargill and Target and Best Buy, 3M. And then at the end of the program, the 20 future leaders will be matched with 20 of the experienced leaders on a mentoring program. And we know, Jess and Jason, that if you don't understand what the world has to offer you and you don't develop crucial leadership abilities, it doesn't matter what kind of access is provided to you, you're never going to launch. And we want to cover all of these things. We want to help these people understand what, what the world does have to offer. We want to give them leadership abilities and then at the end, provide them with access to these types of companies where they eventually might want to work and lead someday. So that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. It's really exciting. Oh, I love it. And yeah, I want to acknowledge Joe's comment. Um, when we say there's no diversity available, I don't have access to a diverse slate of candidates. There's no diversity available to me in my organization to promote and success those people. Again, excuses, excuses. Define diversity to Mark's comment. There are, it's not just gender and race diversity. There are all types of diversity. And you're probably not looking hard enough. So let's stop using that as an excuse. Um, so I love, I love what you're doing. You're using seasoned, um, seasoned leaders to provide that mentoring to the, to the next uh, generation. And I, I totally agree with the approach that it, unless you can really envision what's possible for you, like giving access isn't the only, like that, that's barely giving access and sort of opening the doors for, for more people to enter, that's barely scratching the surface because unless you're enabling and empowering them to truly envision a role that they might play and the culture, like the opportunity has to be there to put somebody in an environment where they can thrive and excel. So there's much more to just opening the door and saying, sure, go ahead and walk in. It's my whole point when we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, you can't hire for diversity and expect, you know, that's not a, a magic wand. You have to create an environment where diversity can thrive. And I feel like that's what you're doing in part with this mentoring approach. Yeah, th there's a comment here that I want to address, and but I'll address what you were saying first, Jess, and that is, you know, when you look, I think where a lot of organizations focus their time is, um, bringing in diverse candidates at entry-level positions, but we're looking to develop leaders who will lead the company or be in executive positions. This is the type of training that we're providing these people. And, it, and you know, your point about awareness. I grew up in rural Minnesota in the 1970s. I had no idea. The internet wasn't around, and I had no idea what the world could offer me until I moved to Minneapolis. And I saw, oh my gosh, and I met people who could open doors for me or introduce me to people like that. Well, there are pockets of the Twin Cities where there are kids who have no idea what's, what's available to them, and their only way out is athletics 
or music or you know what what they see and mm -hmm. we want them to understand no there's all sorts of opportunities available to you uh, and I just want to mention something that Aman said, which is reverse mentoring is, is an amazing way to share learnings. And that is so key to this program because we want the young people, the future leaders to be mentoring the experienced leaders as well. I've been mentoring now for 28 years, uh, mostly African-American boys um, since 1993. And I have learned more from these young people than I ever taught them. And they may argue with that, but I have learned an incredible amount from them, become much more empathetic, uh, greater understanding. My little brother, Shaquille, he and I have been together for 18 years now. He's 27. And there's a richness in his life and the way he lives it and the way his family interacts with each other that inspires me to be a better father, to be a better son. So, Aman, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a big part of this program is – uh, if mentoring is not a one-way street, if you're, if it's not a two-way street, if both parties are not learning from each other, then it's, it's probably not a great fit or facilitated properly. But I, I'm really excited about what we're doing, and I think it has the potential. And we're, we're starting very small, 20 future leaders, 30 experienced leaders. We want to grow this, scale this, so it could be 100 leaders from Minneapolis, and maybe we go national with this. I think the potential is there with virtual environments. We'll have five, um, five modules. The, the timeline right now is January through May. We'll run five modules virtually, and then we'll come in person in June with a big day-long training celebration, graduation, if you will, where everybody comes together. Maybe some of our sponsors come in who have made this possible, meet some of these young people. And, and this can be uh, a life-changing, life-defining uh, period of time for these young people. I would say not even life-changing for one individual, but really world-changing when you develop leaders like that who literally can change the world can diversify and help change the world, that changes the game at a whole different level. No, I guess a question that we can all ask ourselves because I have an answer to it is, um, when did you realize that uh, the day you have is up to you? If you're gonna have a good day. You know, my, my kids, when I, when I drop them off at school, I ask them, are you going to have a good day or a great day? That, those are the only two choices they have, right? I think we may have talked about this before. Those are the only two choices they have. When did you learn that you have that power? I was 30. Mm. 30 years old. That, that's 12 years of yeah. adulthood where mm. I, was a, I, I allowed myself to be a victim. Well, we can teach this. and This is part of emotional intelligence, right? Like, you don't control the circumstance. You control the reaction to the circumstance. That's that's emotional intelligence 101, an element of emotional intelligence. Like, just that lesson alone will change the outlook that these people have. They'll become better leaders at school, at home, in their community, and eventually the workforce. So that that's why I'm so excited about doing this. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great program. And, you know, we're excited from LeapGen standpoint to be part of it, you know, and to sponsor also. Um, so really, really excited to be helping and do that, do it with you. The thing that, that I'm interested about is, is a comment. And Don, I don't know how much you I mean. I'm sure you know a lot. Of it, but if you read John's comment up above, it says, it's nice to see other organizations augmenting what some colleges and universities are also trying to do. Um, and I don't you know, John... Um, probably from a time standpoint, I can't invite you on live, but I don't know what colleges and universities are doing in this area. Um, or, you know, where I went to college and university, no one taught me to be a leader. I mean, I'm sorry to make such a bold statement and to put down a, you know, my alma mater, but you know, I learned uh, book stuff, um, and maybe that did teach me to be a leader, and I just didn't tie it in together. But Don, I'm not sure how much research you've done or if you want to respond to John's point there. Well, John, John's right. I didn't see his comment, but he is right. In fact, high schools as well are doing this, but not for all students. And it's surprising, Jason. You just said that, that not for all students is really. Important. No, not 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 for all students and not a, not equally at all schools um, and so not surprisingly some of the private schools have programs like this um, but the public schools don't necessarily have this and 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 what we're doing is augmenting some of the things that exist so we're not competing with some of the programs that colleges and universities have in place this is something that would augment them and imagine the network that we have I know I work my office is in the uh, same space as the for-profit thing to perform is. And you know, they're working with some of the biggest companies in the country and around the world. And so the, the network that we have, and we, we want to create a community of these leaders. So they'll be part of our alumni. And eventually the, the future leaders that we develop will become experienced leaders. And we see that this community being able to grow and, and uh, facilitate opportunities for our eventual future leaders down the road. But, but John is absolutely right. There's a lot more of this than when you and I went to school, certainly um, in colleges and universities and some of the, the great private schools here in the Twin Cities. But even De La Salle High School, we have a partnership with them. We're talking with them and they see this as augmenting what they already have in place. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you see Mara's comment there. She says Franklin Covey has the Leader and Me program for schools, but not all schools, um, like you said. Um, and this is for free. This is this is absolutely for free for these young people. I think that's really really important to to note. The experienced leaders they will be asked to pay for this this opportunity, this training opportunity, and hopefully their companies will cover it. Um, but we, we expected it's about $1,500 to run a future leader through this academy and our sponsors have, have stepped up and, and are going to fund that. Uh, I'm still working on that. So that's always you know a, a challenge, but, but I think there are enough people who believe in this idea where mm -hmm. we'll be able to you know, easily fund the 20 people and have the experienced leaders pay their way through it as well. Yeah, one other comment that I just would love your thoughts on, Holly started a, a kind of a thread here that I thought was interesting and Mark added in, which said, what about the older experienced workers who have been displaced or are looking for new opportunities? Lots of leadership potential as well. 
and I know Don, you can't solve the world's problems. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'd love your thoughts on that because I think there are, you know, and Mark Mark followed that up with a comment here that basically said, uh, uh, "Oh no, oh yeah, excellent point." I worked at a company where the late twenties COO openly said anyone over the age forty is too irrelevant to work in the startup. I mean, whatever. I, look, <laughs> you know, if if you said that about a a, a race of people, right, you'd be fired. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's just a horrible discrimination. And let's be let's be clear. What truly differentiates leaders? Um, most leaders are going to have an adequate level of IQ. And until Neuralink uh, is available to all of us, um, we're probably not going to elevate our personal IQs um, dramatically. But each and every one of us can elevate our EQ. EQ is something that is that increases over time and with experience. So if you're a 25-year-old leader, a 30-year-old leader, you probably, you know, maybe you are a savant and you have incredible emotional intelligence. Chances are no. But if you're a 50-year-old leader, you've been through the tech bubble of you know 1999 and 2000. You you survived um, the the 2008, 2009, you know, recession, and you lived through COVID, you have developed an incredible, likely developed an incredible amount of emotional intelligence. 50-year-old leaders, 60-year-old leaders, you know, hopefully they've developed this. That's what truly differentiates leaders. In my opinion, IQ is table stakes. EQ is what truly differentiates great leaders. So, you know, that, you know, take it for what it's worth, but that's just nonsense to think that somebody over 40 can't be a great leader. Absolute, not a nonsense. I think it's also uh, perspective. I mean, you're referring to it as EQ, which absolutely, but I think it's also the fact that you've, and, and some of this is hard to build, and like you literally need time to build uh, to build up sort of a sense of perspective about the world and understanding that things happen and things cycle and things don't last forever. It's hard to, you have to trust that until you've lived it. And then all of a sudden your perspective and your sort of the the angles that you're able to apply to a situation, you know, some of that comes with time until you've yeah. been there. It's sort of a leap of faith because you believe that's true. I, I just love talking about this stuff. I, I, you're talking about experience, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. How do I navigate through this? Yeah. You know, when you, when you go through the great recession and, and, you know, I can say that the, the two years, 2009, 2010, I had 200 networking meetings, people looking for jobs and, that changes you fundamentally as a human being. When a 35, 40 year old man who can't make his house payment, who has a couple kids, is asking you what he should do. Yeah, that, that fundamentally changes you. So that experience is so important and has shaped me and who I am. And why do I work? It's not about money anymore. It's about love and it's about changing people's lives and it's about um, the relationships that we create. Yeah, 
there's no way I could be where I am at, as a 30 year old. I just didn't. Have, and that's me. You know, it doesn't mean that a 30 year old can't have that mentality, but I needed the experience in order to get here. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely agree, Don. And I don't know if you noticed or not. Um, there's a uh, Brooke wants that Brooke thinks you should start a t-shirt line basically with that quote, in my opinion, IQ is table stakes. EQ is what differentiates great leaders. So um, I, I don't, Brooke, yeah. I don't know that I made that up, but <laughs> I probably, probably <laughs> stole that from somebody. I love awesome. it. Great, great topic. Um, so Don, you're still, did I hear you say that you, you, you're still looking for sponsors? We are. And do you mind if I put in um, a link? <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, please, please put in a link. Uh, I put in a link to the landing page for um, the Future Leaders Academy. Right now, what we're looking for are students um, who will be involved in a pilot we're having in a couple weeks. I think the sign-up cutoff is October 4th. We'll probably extend it. We're looking for about 12 to 20 students who will go through this pilot. We're just trying to get a sense for content and um the construct of the training. We're looking for sponsors and then we're looking for mentors. Um, you know, generally these would be the experienced leaders uh, who will take part in our full academy um, starting early next year. So that that's what we're looking for is students, mentors, and money. I love it. What students, mentors, and money. I love it. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Don. Yeah. You and I have, we've, I think we have a number of weird things in common, like St. Cloud State and the love of Minneapolis. And uh, But Big Brothers, Big Sisters is one of them. You mentioned Shaquille, my former little sister, who was my little sister for four and a half years, is Takai. We still stay in touch. Uh, she was, we had a really, you know, a, a long-term and impactful relationship when she was a preteen and early teen. And then I lost her. I literally lost her to her teenage years, literally disappeared. I could not find her, wow. try to source her. Um, she, she fell off the, you know, went off the rails for a little bit. And then she came back and she found me five years ago. And she is an incredible young woman. She just moved to Paris to study fashion wow. business. And she's changing the world. Wow, that's so great. Yeah, and I like to think, I mean, I didn't have a lot. I like to think I played a small part in showing her that she was more than where she lived and where she came from. You absolutely did. Yeah. Just seeing, you know, the first time Shaquille walked in my house, 1,200 square foot duplex in uptown Minneapolis. And he said, you live here alone? Uh. And I said, yeah, and he says, it's too big. Twelve hundred square feet. You know, <laughs> so it's too big. You need, you need, you need children. You need to get married. You need children. <laughs> but just seeing like that, and and I used to take him everywhere. We would go to these pickup basketball games where there'd be CEOs of these companies, white people, black people, all you know, women playing with us. He'd look them in the eye and shake their hands like he got he he it. It demystified a lot of things for him. And so, yes, you did this for her. Good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Yeah. So, Don, thank, thank you so much for being here. Too. Can't wait to catch up live in uh, Minneapolis. 
Thanks for having me. Thank you both for what you do and for helping us build awareness about the Future Leaders Academy and Think to Perform Research Institute. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, Don. Take you care. Bet. Bye. -bye. So, Jess, maybe you can just from a time standpoint. I was yeah. told yesterday that I uh, need to be better at making sure I respect people's time because they tore down the booth around me or tore down the stage around me yesterday and that supposedly cost $40,000 worth of overtime. Um, so I'm going to be cognizant of people's time. I hope everyone's greener after listening to that, but maybe you can talk about next week. Next week, I have a co-host that is not you. Oh, Jason, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Actually, Ryan Malkus is going to take it away with me next week as my co-host. And our guests are some a couple of guys uh, you might remember uh, if you've been a member of this community for long enough. Sean Pete and Mike Metcalf are the pit crew chiefs for the most diverse pit crew in NASCAR. Uh, and they co-founded something called Deck Leadership, Diversity, Efficiency, culture and kindness. It is all about leadership development and culture building. Uh, and they co-wrote a book called 12 Second Culture. They are getting tons of, like their phone is ringing off the hook because of everything we just talked about. How do you build culture in a digital workplace? How do leaders find, you know, sort of common purpose? Like what if, what if I never meet my co-leaders? What if I never meet my team, but I still want to rally everybody around a cause, a purpose, a mission? How do you do that anymore? Uh, and of course, they're massive uh, proponents of, of building diversity into your culture uh, as a path to, to building better teams, high-performing teams. They're NASCAR guys, they're high-performing teams. Um, so can't wait to have Sean and Mike on with Ryan and I uh, next week. <laughs> Phone ringing off the hook. What does that mean? I know I'm old. I'm old too. It's okay, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I say it all the time, and people are like, "What? What do you mean that phone's ringing off the hook? Like, what's that? Like, what is? Where's the hook? <laughs> it's just a phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean, but it's just funny when I hear people say it. It's kind of like me saying "women of the night." It's all it just we're just all. I literally, if I had really, had coffee, no, excuse me, I would have spit it out when you heard that. Uh, or EQ. It's EQ. So, um, yeah, so uh, apologies that I won't. Uh, yes, I do need to write a book, Marissa. I won't uh, be around next week. Um, I will be working with one of our clients uh, next week uh, directly in a workshop. But uh, so excited that Brian's there to uh, take my spot. And uh, who knows? He might be so good he takes my spot permanently. Never know, right, Jeff? Game on. <laughs> it's pretty Game hard. On, baby. <laughs> Oh, thank you, everybody. Okay, well, thanks, you guys, so much. I'm glad, and I apologize for any background noise or um, people walking behind me uh, here in the airport. But uh, glad I was able to join. And I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Love everyone. And uh, talk to you all soon. Thanks, thanks. everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.